Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and community organizer and socialist Kenny Cepeda. Uh, and joined by our wonderful teacher and socialist, contributor, writer, uh, and uh, just amazing comrade, <laughs> AJ. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, AJ. Uh, let's do a little housekeeping quickly. Um, we're online at what-s-left.webnode.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. I'm forgetting to announce, please jot down our information because we don't know if this channel will survive. <laughs> It'll be gone probably in about three weeks. That's my guess. From YouTube. From YouTube. <laughs> uh, right. Once again, thanks for joining us, AJ. Um, we have decided to do something different for this episode. Um, we had planned um, something else last week, but uh, Andy had suggested we do this episode instead, which is more of our conversations around reopening schools, um, conversations around um, the struggle to fight tech in, in education and the overtaking of uh, Silicon Valley, taking over uh, our public uh, education. And as we are um, continuing that saga, that, that conversation, <laughs> one of our own <laughs> high school teacher, Andy Lipson, our <laughs> uh, host here on What's Left, has now had um, an incident involving uh, going back to school, but in a way that's, uh, um, that was outdoors, but as well with the consent of parents. Andy, did you want to fill us in then? Well, just to say summary, because I think there's a whole story here, is uh, over spring break, we had an in-person teaching, or some of us hosted an in-person in, in, in teaching event at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Uh, and we invited some of our students to join us uh, if, with parent pr uh, permission. And it looks like human resources from the San Francisco Unified School District basically found out that this happened. I'll, I'll, re I'll re report how that kind of went, happened. Um, and it's might, this might be being investigated. And um, so I'm choosing to talk about it because I think, I personally think it's outrageous that uh, a great event that took place uh, people actually getting to be with the students, getting to be with each other, to see their teacher um, uh, would be investigated at a time when they're talking about returning to school. And particularly in our school, the return to school is still going to be about screens and kids not working with each other and, and teachers not working with students. So um, we have an inverted set of priorities now in education. And so I felt like this is important to talk about to to draw out the fact that do we really want to go down this road um, of, of essentially eliminating in-person education as an experience and almost demonizing it? So I have a question. So this happened during spring break, you said? So th there was no regular school uh, at that time. There was, uh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah go, and maybe AJ yeah. could give a little background to how this came about. Well, about... I think about two weeks before spring break, the group of teachers that Andy and I have sort of informally been meeting with every now and then in Eduardo's 
been there I think the last couple times as well sitting on stumps in Golden Gate Park talking about what the heck we think is going on with schools why we're not back yet what we can do about it all the way back in the fall um, myself and a couple co-workers were kicking around the idea of what if we just you know went to school and tried to teach in the parking lot <laughs> what would we do and um, that was sort of the beginning of you know trying to get some other folks together and some of the actions that we did um, but we kind of just put that on the back burner until somebody you know new showed up in our little group um, on that day and said what would happen if we just you know went to the park and just did school and um, you know from there I think uh, I just kind of reached out to see who would actually want to do this during spring break. And um, we got together and talked about sort of languaging and how we were going to pitch it to students and families and really wanted to do it as an opportunity to try to find and bring together families and students who were tired of this isolation and separation and thought we should be back together doing in-person learning. And um, so, you know, we, talked about it to students and then we contacted all families and you know said this is not a field trip this is not a school event it's not happening on a school day and you are invited and your families are invited and um, that was sort of the the birth of the idea and we ended up um, on the Monday of spring break with a dozen and a half maybe 20 the most students and families um, together in the park I'll just add that I also was involved in the um, just minimally, although, but I am, um, I was in, uh, um, I translated um, the form, mm -hmm. the consent form, and was also in communication with um, the majority of the uh, Spanish speaking families that were interested in going. And, uh, from and I'm still, my class. From, from, my class. Your, from your class. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and so um, that was, uh, that was, uh, uh, minimal <laughs> connection to it, but <laughs> where that was my involvement in it. So, how was the turnout of um, students? Uh, you know, compared to your expectations, what did you expect going into this? I have about a hundred. I'm teaching about 125 students that are on my rolls. Uh, a number of those students don't show up to the Zoom classes, so you know, it's not. I don't think I'm teaching 125 really. Um, and I have two mainstream classes and three EL classes of 10th grade physics. Um, and what I pitched was uh, basically a, a, a chance to do a, a lab, a, a very, the lab that I didn't do by, by Zoom because it would be very depressing was a circuits lab basically where they build circuits, um, use lights and switches and batteries and an ammeter or a multimeter to measure voltage and things like that, and whiteboards to draw circuit diagrams. Um, and really, it's a. I feel like the circuit lab. I usually actually start my unit. I start my year with circuit lab often because it's so unifying for the students who work on it, particularly in Paris. And um, it's a lot of fun because you make lights go on and off, and you use switches and things like that. Um, so I told them that we were going to do that. And honestly, I actually anticipated more response from my mainstream than from my EL students, but it was completely inverted. Um, I think out of my two classes, I think only two students showed up from my, who wanted to uh, participate from my mainstream classes and nine from my, from my EL classes. And, and a number of those parents reached out to either uh, Eduardo or a student teacher who I'm working with, uh, 
who actually speaks Chinese. Um, and if they were more comfortable speaking to a person, you know, in their native language, then they could call her or they were welcome to call me. Um, so that's where the confirmations came. Either they, some of the parents called me, some called Eduardo and some called uh, the other uh, student, student teacher. Um, uh, so that, that's what I found at least. And it was interesting to me how many of the EL students really uh, gravitated towards it. Yeah. Oh, and also in, uh, there were, there were, parents who were saying, can my daughter come who's not a mission student or, you know, and be part of it, things like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, the setting that I teach in is much different. I'm at an alternative high school um, and uh, public school, but alternative high school, it's much, much smaller. The program's very different. So we had, um, I don't teach nearly 150. Uh, I had six students, I think there, plus some family members. Um, and there was a lot of overlap between the other teachers involved and me sharing students. Um, and so I had a couple different classes that I pitched it to. And um, one, I, you know, I set up a, we've been studying parabolas in our math class. I set up a tripod and we had a game, toss some beanbags, look at some parabolas, film some parabolas in slow motion. We had some art supplies that other students brought. And um, for my students who are the students that I advise, I pitched it as a chance to actually connect and do some things together in person. And that was the majority of the students who came were actually not my math students, but were those students that are um, my junior and senior advisees who just wanted the chance to meet each other in real life and <laughs> sit in a common place and do some art activities together. I was really happy with the turnout. I'll say there was a few students who were going to come um, along with families that didn't. So I was a little bit, there was a few families that I wanted the chance to talk to that I didn't get as far as that like organizing piece of trying to find these family members. But I was just so, so happy to sit there with them. And, um, you know, I think we talked before in a previous episode about just uh, when we first got together, how it was strange for us to be back in live space with each other. And I had that conversation with students on that Monday of them actually being able to say, like, I've forgotten how to be around other people. And I feel like I have to learn how to do that again. And I felt that was um, really important. Yeah. And I, what I was surprised, or I was really glad about the turnout. Um, and what I what I really appreciated was the that the students took it very seriously in terms of making sure that a parent contacted me or the student teacher, and even there was one person who I know, Eduardo. You said like even as I was showing up, they were like so and so, you know, just got a call from their parent, you know, things like that, which that was a little bit stressful for me to be honest. Um, and and fortunately, I didn't have to deal with the situation of a of a of a person who showed up who didn't have a parent. Mm -hmm. would give me permission. I, I, I hadn't thought that through, um, but uh, the um, that didn't happen. And so it, I, I, it showed that students took it very seriously. And what was really exciting was the number, I think three different sets of parents showed up with their kids and to get to meet them um, and to see how glad they were about it. Um, that was really neat. Um, and I even, I think after everything was said and done, maybe we'll talk maybe a little bit about the day, but one of the highlights was sitting with the, the family of one of my students, um, the mother, the father, two daughters, and we just played Jenga, uh, this big Jenga thing. And 
Um, I'd never played Jenga before. Um, they, they showed me how to play it and uh, it was just great. So I want to add that um, I, I don't know all of the teachers of this school district, but I, I have um, I have a good number amount of friends on uh, that are teachers and almost all of them I, that I'm thinking of have seen their students after hours in some shape, way, or form, whether it be on the weekends, home visits, uh, meeting up with them for ice cream or at the park, uh, organizing events outside of the city. I mean, I even organized an event with a teacher um, when, I, when I was working at Cesar uh, Chavez Elementary School. Uh, we went to the Fitzgerald Reserve uh, uh, south of San Francisco. And I just, I think that this conversation is really important for any teacher listening to this because this is scary to think that you got in trouble for something that you got permission from families and after hours, it was just not on your time at all. And for anybody to take you to the principal's office, as Kenny was saying earlier, is, is ludicrous because oh, that would mean that all of the teachers are then implicated. All of the teachers who have been doing this over the pandemic, who have been doing this while schools were closed. I just know teachers who, who were not ready, who are not ready to go back to school and still met their students at parks because they're struggling online. And I know teachers who have really, really have want, been wanting to go back and have met students um, after hours. Even some teachers who knew that this, this whole setup, this whole uh, online learning, distance learning have met their students in the very beginning of the year to build that relationship so that they could know themselves outside of the online platform um, before school started. This is scary to think that you are going something might happen or who knows what, right? Um, when it really could affect us all. So I don't, that's all I, I, I wanted to add to that. I don't know if you think the same, AJ. It's, it's just not, it could, you know, I feel almost if this, this is almost a target to targeting Andy, maybe, uh, because of what he stands for and um, being notorious in school. and um, yeah, just really saddened by the whole thing, because I think part of being a teacher and an educator is to build those relationships with your students. And that relationship is key to success if, you know, we're trying to really support them uh, along uh, their way. Yeah, I mean, I think I can have a lot to say about why I think this is happening and what it might look like. But Andy, can you just update us on details about or what you want to share about the threats <laughs> or what's going down? Well, yeah, I mean, part of me wants to still talk about what happened on, on that uh, day. Uh -huh. Yeah, but I'll just say this, like, um, you know, we also had pizza at the end, right? Uh, it was supposed to be pizza in the beginning, but we, we, we had a little snafu. Um, and, uh, and so the, it was for us pizza at the end. And students asked me, it's like, well, you know, can we do this again? You know, and I was like, I would love to do it again, but I do want to see how this, what, what, what the response is, you know? Um, and I wasn't like, it's not like I'm um, completely shocked that there's kind of been a negative response by the district, if you will, to this. Uh, but, um, 
but I wanted to see. And, um, but I, what I would say about that is I think it just should, again, I, the reason this is important to me is I think teachers who've been meeting with their students have been doing the right thing. I support those things. Um, obviously it needs the consent of the parent that that's critical. Um, and, uh, and, but I think particularly if you look at our school, Mission High School re return right now is not really a return towards teachers and classrooms and students. Return is, is students sitting in plexi little plexiglass bubbles at seats with masks on at computer screens. That is what return means for our, um, our uh, and then at the high school level, that means your, your homeless students, your foster kids, your students with IEPs, and some of our newcomer population, the ones who choose to. This is what they're returning to, which is sort of, to me, it's more like a CDC prison than an actual in-person experience. So our district is, is rushing towards this sort of experience for our students and is singling out a, a teacher who in off hours is actually having a real, what we call school, which is a social experience where the students get to interact with each other and they get to interact with their teacher and the teacher gets to interact with parents. I mean, like, so that, I, I wanna highlight that because I don't believe this, there's a few reasons it's not an accident because I do think this world is being turned upside down because I do think, and this is what I did tell the parents that, that I talked to is, I am concerned about in-person education going away for the, for the vast majority of students. It's gonna be left for the rich and for the most needy. And everyone else is gonna ultimately in three to four to five years, essentially be working through a computer screen of one, one way, shape or form in terms of their educational experience and, uh, and isolated in some kind of booth um, as they do it, whether it be drop-in centers, you know, that are monitored or whether it be at their home. So we have to fight that. And I, I wanna meet parents who are aware of this or who, who are being made aware of this. And I think parents and teachers and students are gonna have to fight to hold on to this if we're, gonna, if we're going to. Um, so this, this was part of why I did this and I let parents know that. Um, so I'm not surprised at this because I've been outspoken about wanting to return and wanting to return in the guise of challenging the health and safety protocols that are being pushed forward here. Um, and I know it's, that's not just not popular among the district, that's not popular among my colleagues. So I wasn't even surprised that uh, people went, like the way this got reported was, Students came back from spring spring break, and some of my students were really excited and said this was the best thing they had happened to them during spring break, and it was like like a highlight. And some teachers might have heard it, and one of those teachers went to the principal. I imagine at that point the principal goes to human resources. I got an email from my principal uh, like by Monday when I came back, saying, "Is this true? What has happened? That you had a class?" And I said, "Yes and no." Basically, I did meet with students, but it wasn't a class; it was my own personal event. And it had parental permission. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, I was called into the office, asked a series of questions, and then finished off with, well, human resources is going to be investigating this. Or, and the principal is basically the in intermediate here. Like, this is about the district and me. Um, so, yes, I think I'm being singled out for my beliefs, but I actually think I'm not under attack. I think what's under attack is the notion that teachers should feel safe to interact with their students and students should be feel safe to interact with each other. And that, that, that kind of interaction has to be scrutinized and, um, and looked under a microscope to see whether that should be done at all. You know, and that, that's wrong to me. That's completely not safe. That's completely destructive. Um, and we will need to fight that. 
when we decided to do this, there was kind of this moment where I, I felt like I don't know what to where to go next because now the conversation has shifted to reopening and schools are going to be open and we're all going back. And so even the small, very small group of people who were vocally saying schools need to be reopened, that some steam, you know, came out of that. It seemed like the question was was being answered. Now I feel like the, the I I still have that question. Now we're going back. And it's only for it's for less than half the students, right? It's to the conditions that that you described, um, which uh, are going to be the the same at my school as well. And particularly at my school, the students who end up at my school have already been chewed up and eaten alive by the public school system. They end up at my school because they have been just it's kind of their last chance to find somewhere that they can land to get a diploma when they when they come there, and to imagine any students, but particularly <laughs> the students that I work with, um, coming in to sit in a room isolated and behind a mask and glasses, glass, plexiglass to be on a computer screen all day um, is, well, they just, they will not come, you know, so then we're gonna have empty rooms where the students who have been offered a place to come back are not going to come. And I feel like what, happened on that day and what you were able to do is remind students and remind families about what it can feel like to work together. And I imagine, you know, when that comes, when that comes up against what it looks like to go back, you know, I'm just, I don't know where I find myself asking, like, is there, what, what do we do now? Like, what are we going to be able to do next? Is this going to be just continually very demoralizing and isolating, which is my suspicion. <laughs> That's why I think it's really important that you are talking about what happened and what and the fact that you are being um, threatened and disciplined for what happened. Um, because I do think there are lots of people who, like you said, Eduardo, even if they were not and are not ready to return to school, have been finding ways to drop by, do home visits, deliver materials, see people, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I do think that really what is being threatened here is everything. I agree with what you said. And again, another uh, attack on our um, ability as teachers and educators to decide what happens with our students and what should be what learning should look like, that that should be left to software and computers and Silicon Valley and developers now and that that should be even more out of our hands, that we're not to be trusted with that. And in this case, actually, I would imagine based, I, I'm only imagining what they're gonna say, but based on my experience with them, that actually you're a danger, right? That you're a danger to, to students and a danger to families and um, not responsible and um, a threat to safety with the kind of choices that you made about what to do on that day. I do wanna be clear though that while I do think there's intimidation going on here from human resources to say we're looking into this, there's been no disciplinary action at this point. Um, I'm choosing to, to talk about this before such a thing happens. Uh, I, a union lawyer would advise me not to do this. Um, and I've talked to a union ally about this as well, and we can talk more about that. They, they're willing to help me in terms of getting a lawyer if, I, if it need be. Um, but there's a bigger issue here, first of all. And secondly, um, the, so even though they haven't made a decision, I want to talk about this nevertheless, because I do think there's an attempt to intimidate teachers to do this and attempt to railroad us towards this fear and compliance. Um, and I think we need to break out of that. Oh, um, I don't I don't know what sort of consequence they, they HR could come back and say, we looked into this. 
we don't necessarily like it, but we're not going to do anything about it, but please don't do it again or something like that. They could say, they could give me a verbal reprimand or a written reprimand. I could be suspended. I suppose I could be fired. I haven't heard any of those sorts of things. So there has been no consequences talked about. I'm choosing to, but I, I do believe that by asking you to come into the principal's office, by asking me a series of questions, then saying HR's looking into this, there was an attempt to intimidate and I want to act before before that. And I want to get ahead of this because like, like I told you, AJ, and I've told some of the group of educators, at these moments, this is when they want to put educators on trial. And honestly, I think it's about putting them on trial for what they're doing to education. Um, it's the school district, yes, but this plan is not, this is Gavin Newsom, this is London Breed, this is Silicon Valley, this is Wall Street, this is the entire U.S. ruling class that has this plan towards education. Whether or not you think it's Republicans and Democrats talking about open, everyone, all the ruling classes united on making education more remote because they're looking to make labor more remote. And we are, all that's happening in education is just a follow to to how they're going to reorganize labor. Um, and I guarantee you that's for profits. And I know the Republican Party is for profits and the Democratic Party is for profits. So there is no split in the ruling class on this project. The only people there to fight it are us. And unfortunately right now, a lot of teachers are following our Democratic Party allies down this rabbit hole of destroying in-person education and turning it into um, a kind of a dystopian Silicon Valley, you know, nightmare. I mean, I'm not sure if you're allowed to discuss like what was asked, to, you know, at the, the meeting with the principal. Um, I'm kind of curious. Um, the basic questions were, okay, what happened? It, it was, first of all, principal is very professional. Um, I thought they did the thing right. Um, so I have no problem with how they did it. It's just obviously that I should be called in for this. Um, and I actually look at the district, even though, you know, I think it could have been dealt differently. I think my opponent here is the school district, you know. Um, and so they asked, you know, what happened? What date did it happen? How many students were involved? How did you communicate with the parents? Did the parents communicate back to you? How did you get that? How did you get that information? How did they get that information to you? Because, you know, there was translations involved. Um, why did you do it? Um, and I told them, like, because I want, you know, I, I wanted to students to have this in-class experience. I wanted to meet my students. And I told, I told the principal, I think in-person education is as at risk and, and under threat. And I want, I want to build forces that are prepared to defend it. Um, and I even said, I think administrators have a stake in that as well. But, you know, I do think parents, st students, and teachers need to begin to figure out how we're going to organize to defend the idea that education is a communal experience um, and a social experience. Um, and, um, and then they also asked a question about, like, were there other ideas you had? You know, because I've been outspoken at my school about not about wanting to return, wanting to return way back in August, um, about having problems with testing um, and things like that, uh, the, the, the contact tracing and things like that. So um, I basically said, well, mostly about the, 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 I said, yes, the issue of the end of public education as we know it. I'm very concerned about that. And so that did partially animate my actions. Um, and, uh, and other than that, they were like, well, thank you, essentially. Um, uh, I think my principal had their own feelings about what I did. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't say that they didn't make it overt to me that they were against or for it. Um, and um, 
oh, they also asked me, do I, do I know the codes? Like, do I know what the rules are about teachers uh, in-person education right now? And I said, yes, I do. I know that we are not to be going back into the building during school hours to be teaching students. Um, and uh, I did not do that. So, um, and I did not consider this a school event. So, uh, and then they told me at the end, like, well, we'll get back to you because, it, you know, this is, this is out of the principal's hands, really. This is now in HR's hands. Um, and so now we'll wait, or at least I'll find out if they're going to either do nothing or do something, but I'm not going to sit and wait and let them decide my fate. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put them on the hot seat. And that, again, I, I did eventually, um, I've spoken to a, to some media, uh, one of those people from the media, uh, from a mission local, uh, contacted the union and said, Hey, we heard about this, you know? And then my union ca called me and was like, what, what's going on here? Um, and they were concerned, but they'll provide me with a lawyer. Um, and I'm open to definitely, I'd, I'd like to retain a lawyer if I need one. So I appreciate that. Um, but they said, you know, we would advise you not to say anything. And I said, I'm going to say something like, I'm not going to agree with that. I don't, I don't think there's much reason to talk to a lawyer right now because mostly a lawyer is going to tell me to shut up and I'm not going to do that. So, um, I, and it's not because I don't want to shut up. <laughs> it's like, it's, there's a reason to do this. We have to get out. We have to get that idea out to people and get them to understand that the little intimidation they're doing with me, and maybe it's going to be a lot of intimidation. Maybe they're going to bring down the suspension. Maybe they'll even threaten to fire me. I don't know. But we have to understand that this is the situation that whatever I'm facing is the situation all of us teachers are facing if we should choose to get outside of our health and safety mandates that restrict how we can interact with our students and how they can interact with each other. Um, and what they'll do if we dare to, to challenge that notion. Um, I didn't do anything. I didn't challenge the health and safety notions. I just went and did it in Golden Gate Park, but they understand, like, I do think we need to get back in person and, and I don't think it's, it's going to help us to do this under the, under the regime of six feet of distance. Don't touch each other. Don't be near each other. You know, don't work with each other. That to me is not school. Have you um, talked to other co-workers or other teachers and what have other people's responses been? I only talked to one colleague so far um, and they were like, that sounded great. They, they, I mean, they, they saw me afterwards and they were like, you, I haven't seen you. You seem a lot happier actually, you know, um, there's other things going on that have made me happier, but I, this was a definite shot in the arm for me about reminding me about why I was, why thought teaching was worth doing as just as it is, even under capitalism. Um, and so it's only one other teacher from mission who I've really talked with about that. Um, I have not gotten like, again, most of my staff, there are other staff members who've said that they want to return, but most of them have been like, they don't want to like, they don't want to be in my situation. They certainly don't really want to talk to me about the stuff I'm talking about because it, it just feels too hot for them. And and then there's other people who just think like you're wrong for even raising this and, and you're dangerous for even saying some of these things. So um, I don't, I have not seen necessarily my colleagues at school. I'm not sure they would be my best allies at this moment. Um, so I haven't really spoken to too many of them about it. One of the mothers called me yesterday and said, who ratted out? <laughs> who, which teacher said? 
<laughs> she spoke to me in Spanish and she said, who was it? Who watched, which teacher told the principal? I mean, how else did the principal know, right? To yeah. By another teacher. I'm wondering just, <laughs> that was the parent's response. But I'm wondering why would a teacher, I mean, this is maybe a rhetorical question. It just, why would a teacher go to the principal if, if, like I said, teachers see their students after hours? I, I mean, I can think of two reasons. Uh, one would be because Andy is outspoken about a lot of things that people don't disagree, that don't agree with necessarily. Um, but in general, I would say that our working class organization is so pathetic and pitiful and low that that's, that's what, that's what, that's in my experience in schools, that's what people do. They go to the authority. We don't have experience like working stuff, working conflicts out together collaboratively. We don't have spaces for that to happen and we don't have a lot of experience doing it. So uh, despite maybe the particulars of Andy's situation in general, um, I see it all the time as going to the principal as like the, the authority figure to mediate conflict between um, between workers. Yeah, and all I would add is things, there, those sorts of things were going on before, but they're gonna happen a lot more going forward because the, the environment we're, we're, we're experiencing now politically, you know, Eduardo and Kenny, you know, we haven't talked much about this, even this issue of censorship, which we talk about Google censoring you and uh, Facebook censoring you. Now, now regular people are censoring one another, admins on Facebook groups and things like that, censoring people. And, and what is, we are essentially uh, right now being turned into a kind of working class that China has with its social credit system. Like this is sort of its pre-state prior, to, like, which is basically a social credit system, you know, with your phone is a giant snitch network. And I believe that this, the groundwork is being laid for that kind of thing under the guise of safety, under the guise of we have to be all collectively safe. But what, what is, this, what is essentially creating is a situation where people are willing to tell authorities, you know, about somebody else based on their behavior you know, and not address them or try to work it out there. Um, and they're going to use the guise of like the fact that we have a pandemic and it's not safe. So I have to do that. And I have to keep us safe by telling the authorities about these individuals. So that is the environment we're stepping into. Um, and so I think the, the likelihood of this kind of stuff happening in the future is not just in schools, but in all workplaces and all throughout the communities, these communities is very high um, and that's, it's very dangerous and very damaging and very destructive again for the, for working class solidarity and, and collectivity. So it works great for the capitalists, but uh, it's going to be very damaging to the, to our cause. And it makes me think of a police state, you know, and in that you don't have to have a, you know, a cop at every corner. If you feel you're being watched all the time, you know, it's like the panopticon, type of thing and you know like I, I hear you on this uh because it doesn't just happen in it, it happens on my work side too you know like um where there is public shaming you know for example uh if you don't have the vaccine you know making a list as to who has gotten the vaccine and who hasn't or who has gotten tested and who hasn't and and then you know 
calling people certain names. And obviously you don't want to be the target. You know, most people don't. Most people want to be part of something. But if you're being called an anti-vaxxer or, you know, a uh, irresponsible person, um, th that creates uh, unempowered people. You know, I just think of growing up in my country, in Guatemala, which faced a lot of repression as a result of, um, you know, the the dictatorships that were implanted there. And like the social psychology is way different than Nicaragua, who had a semi-successful revolution. Um, and you can see like the, the complete opposite, you know, like social psychology, you know, where people like Nicaraguan people are more willing to speak up and not like take, you know, take shit from people. Versus Guatemalans, like we've learned to stay quiet and not be nosy and just get in line, you know, because there are consequences to that. And so that I think is the risk of all this, you know, of not having conversations um, and just creates unempowered people that just fall in line. And it's, it's scary. It's scary. I've been thinking about, um, you know, there's not, it seems like there's not too far of a jump between this, the kind of, uh, yeah, inquisition that goes on everywhere I go now about whether or not I've been vaccinated yet or not. And like somebody having an app on their phone to be able to say that, go through your contact list and say, <laughs> you know, has been vaccinated or not, you know, it doesn't, um, I'm afraid about the cycle that that creates, like you're talking about, Kenny, like this cycle of um, silence and not wanting to take action or not wanting to be the head on the nail that sticks out or, you know, all that kind of stuff. If I think about, um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started of, I was saying, you know, potentially Andy might be able to go back to school this year. I don't think my chances of that are very good. I'm feeling very jealous about not being able to get back in a building, but I know that if I did that, I would not be able to do this hub thing. And I know that what I would have to do is say, I'm not going to do it. And try to get all those teachers whose kids are stuck in my room supposedly on a computer and tell them like, I'm not doing this with your students. So can we please work together on this? Like I'm going to be doing activities in the classroom with real people. And, you know, I, I can imagine like, I can imagine trying to do that and getting a lot of resistance. Like, and I can, I can already hear sort of the things that people would say about the health and safety protocols, um, about the importance of, you know, sticking in line with the curriculum or whatever, finishing out what they think they're teaching this year. Um, you know, I could already sort of anticipate both like an excitement about like that would be a possibility to kind of put some other idea forward about how things could look, but also um, just a real trepidation about the amount of fear that has already sunk in to our class as a whole, to my coworkers. Um, and, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot, like what that might look like if this actual return does happen at my site in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I we may have to have a reprise episode because I may be returning to the school. I'm on the list too, but it hasn't been confirmed. Um, and I'm being asked, essentially, I think if I'm gonna be asked to return, I'll be asked to be in a room of, with essentially maximum of 14 students. Um, they will never leave that room. I won't leave the room. And they're just going to be on their screens with the classes. And in the case of newcomers, I think they, we're going to try to figure out how to offer them one legitimate English class. You know, that would actually be like class where you talk to students and talk to a teacher in person. 
but everything else was just being a, a monitor there. Um, so uh, I can't really agree to that. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Like that may be another episode if that comes. Um, I have some ideas on how I want to deal with that, but it's very similar to what AJ's talking about, trying to work out a situation where I'm essentially an elementary school teacher for about one month, you know, with 14 students and I'm teaching them whatever we're going to learn, English, math, science, and some other stuff. Um, and whatever we want to do for that. And then just going out and like getting used to seeing each other, frankly, and going outside sometimes, whatever. But that's, that's what I would want to do. And that's what I would propose to do. Um, and uh, I'd have to, I'm going to see what kind of, what kind of resistance. I think there will be the health and safety stuff, but then there's just going to be the entire apparatus of how class school is working that everyone's so adhering to. So that, you know, we can't do that because, you know, all those other, those students are already in other classes and blah, blah, blah. And I, I honestly think that doesn't matter. It doesn't, certainly doesn't matter to me. If like if one of my students, like if I, if I'm staying remote and when I hear one of my students is getting an in-person experience, I'm like, I'm releasing that student. I'm like, do that. You know, your grade is taken care of for me, you know, and you just go do something that's real. Um, and that's how I would feel. So um, that's what I'm going to read. Hope if, if I'm faced with that, I'm going to be reaching out to my colleagues and saying, look, I really think you should just let me take these kids and, and have them be in school, not be in, uh, like I said, CDC prison. This is why I think I would like for families to really advocate for their, their, their students, their kids to say and support. I don't want to be um, online the entire time. I want an alternative, really pressure. Uh, schools and uh, the district that this is not what you want for your kid. I, I mean, tomorrow is the first day of school for my nephew. And we made it very clear to administration, to the teacher. And I know it's causing some challenges, uh, but this was also before the pandemic happened. I mean, this is something we've always wanted. We knew we just didn't. We started seeing there's a slow shift ever since I've left elementary school towards more tech and more screening, more uh, tabletas, more um, like any iPad form or other Google form of screens. Um, and, uh, and so I really do think that families should also start uh, advocating, speaking up. And they should say, I don't want that. I want something else. What do you want? We have to figure it out together. We have to figure out something else because this is not going to work for me. Uh, and, uh, and opt out. I mean, we may have differences here, Andy, where what is the approach? What's the next thing for us? For me, it's really right now, it's like gathering that support, looking for that support. And uh, I'm going to start it at my school site where uh, I may be revealing right now before the administration knows, but uh, just uh, families getting together and saying, we don't want this at all. Not even for homework, not supplementary. We don't want it. No. Uh, so I just wanted to add that as you were speaking, because I think families should get involved. It makes me want to ask you too, Andy, about your experience talking to families before the Monday in the park and after, because I, every student that I had that was interested in coming, I, I was not difficult conversation with their families to talk. Once I told them where we were going to be, what we were going to do, there was not this fear or resistance from families at all. I didn't have any say no whose students said that they wanted to come. Everybody that I talked to, which was all of the parents of all the students, <laughs> said,
said yes. And um, so I wonder, uh, that's another reason I think it's so important that you're not waiting um, in terms of what's going to happen with HR and that families are knowing this is going to happen because what they are going to be invited to send their students back to is not what they want for their kids. Um, and so what kind of family conversations have you had post Monday in the park? Yeah, I mean, I was, I think I talked to two, three families before and then I've now talked to two, two, two families after, um, same people basically. And the, before it was like, they were just like, yeah, this sounds great. I just wanted to tell you, they, they were prepared just to tell me by text. And I think one person did, I wanted to see it. I thought they might have more questions. And frankly, there were no questions of like, well, you know, the safety questions, I kind of expected some and I didn't get any. Um, so, um, uh, that's the first thing. And, and, uh, my student teacher reported pretty, very simple, not, not much that parents needed to know. They just wanted to know, like, could they bring something? Do they need to bring something? Do they need to bring them materials of any sort? And we were saying no. Um, then they were like, okay, great. Uh, oh, the, and, and can other people come? I think was one of the big things. Like, can, can my daughter come? Can, can I have some other people who might want to come? Can we come? Can they come? I said, it was just a matter of how much materials I have. So that was beforehand. And Eduardo, maybe you can say about your conversations as well. Um, I would say after it's been very supportive. It's been like, you know, what can we do? How can we help? Yes, we'll write a letter if we need to or help you get to meetings and things like that. So I have parents have been very like they did not necessarily sign on for that second part of having to deal with drama, but they've been definitely willing to do such a thing. And again, um, I just. I wish I wish our, our teachers were as outspoken and willing to just stand up for for these sorts of things. Um, but unfortunately, we're I think a lot of teachers are kind of confused about what's going on as well. So that's what I would say is like it's been um, uh, almost full. Well, pretty much full support from the parents who were involved. Uh, I can just say that um, I got texts, but one parent called me specifically. She just called me and she. Um, you know, she was, she was, as it usually happens when you're st Latinos, you start going talking about your life. And she was telling me a, a lot of details of her life. And um, I was, it was kind of just even getting me a little bit emotional thinking about her struggles. She was sharing, uh, I'll just share like briefly. If she just said that it's been really hard. It's been really, really tough. She's got other kids. She's got to give attention to her adolescents at home. and they're having friction between uh, parent and um, and adolescent and and that's normal at this age. What is challenging is for her is going to work, leaving her kids at home and also trying to uh, educate them and also kind of give some freedom to her uh, teen to be able to go up. But she's also quite reserved, right? Because she doesn't know where they're going or what's going on and she's occupied. And so this, this opportunity presents itself and she was very grateful. She just was like, this is wonderful. This is what my kid needs. This is exactly what we're looking for. She's done. She's zoomed out. <laughs> she's, uh, and she doesn't want to be on, she's bored and she's lost interest in school. She's, and, and she, and so I said, and I'm saying all this, I can say this much because uh, I asked her if she wanted to go public saying any of this, because I have a connection to, um, uh, some medium. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said to her, she should share all of this and, uh, and she should talk about this. And so I connected her to people, some 
folks in the media. And so she's going to share that. She's going to share just that. Uh, so my point being is <laughs> then you get in trouble for it. And she calls me up and she's just like, what do I need to do? I need to support because this is not right. And this was supposed to be something <laughs> like all the teachers are going to be afraid from now on to do this. Uh, so that's the response, right? That, that's post this experience that uh, now even families are feeling like maybe we shouldn't do this now, right? Because this might have repercussions for a teacher and we don't want that even though it's best for our kids. Whatever. And this isn't a person who's like, who wants to, who's saying that COVID doesn't exist or any sort of, like, this is a person who's very mindful of the precautions as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it seemed that that's what's at stake here too for the families, right? Like who decides what is safe for their kids, um, you know, and it's just interesting to uh, hear that there weren't many questions at the beginning, you know, and I think uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of times, parents, especially immigrant parents may get dismissed, you know, uh, as maybe ignorant, or um, that's kind of my concern, you know, as not knowing what's best for their kids. But, you know, like you said, Eduardo, even this person who is concerned about the virus, understands the high, the the, the importance of their kids socializing, Um, you know, um, even, you know, my mom is aware of the situation lives in, and uh, She's disgusted, you know, as a mother, um, you know, she understands that she's concerned about, you know, she, she puts herself in that situation and, and she's, you know, she would be there fighting, you know, to get me back in, in school in person. Um, but, um, and, you know, I can only hope that more parents, you know, kind of hear this and are encouraged and not intimidated by, by authorities. Um, and, you know, I know a, I have a coworker who, who has gone to war with counselors at school because they have been condescending to her. And, but I get hope because she fights back, even though she sometimes like uh, deflects to people with authority, she knows what's best for her kids, you know, and she knows her kids. And I I can only hope that more parents, you know, join the fight because like, it's kind of obvious where most teachers are on this, unfortunately. So, um, so I find it encouraging that you know, Eduardo, you're organizing with some parents too. What was the other thing we had discussed, Andy? Was what? So you cannot meet with any SFUSD family. <laughs> was that what it's going to mean? So you right. potentially cannot even make, have a lesson with my nephew because he's an SFUSD student. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> as long as they're outside of SFUSD, maybe it's fine then. More more private school kids will get in-person education, but definitely not public school. <laughs> it's just, where do you draw the line, right? I mean, I, we've said it often enough in this this one episode that you got parental consent and you did it after hours. And so I just, well, so I really do think teachers should, should well, who? The lines so, are being drawn around us very in dark, you know, like we're being put in a little pen, um, individual pens, and we either are going to press up against those pens or we're going to accept it. And if teachers think that accepting these pens, these little pens we're being put in, you can then you can go and teach about social justice or fighting racism. Or, I mean, it was absurd before when we weren't going on strike and talking about social justice. 
now it's getting like now it's just completely backwards. It's like we we as teachers are teaching only one thing: compliance, fear, conformity. Do as you're told. Those are the lessons you will learn in public school in the coming years, unless we as teachers start fighting back against what is being constructed. That's why I think there's a very interesting, I don't know, teetering point to make a big issue out of this for them, for the district to decide if they want to make a big issue out of this or not, because of what you said at the beginning, Andy, of like, in the conversation of schools are reopening, yay, we're all going back to school. And we're doing this because we're so concerned about students that we've, we're now making sure that, you know, our students who most need to go back, get to go back first and all of this, is this the thing that you want to make a fight out of, which is actually having in-person education on the one hand. Yeah. I think they do want to smack down the teachers and tell us that we're going to do it exactly the way that they say. But on the other hand, they have, there have been many instances of them looking like fools and being embarrassed as they should have been at numerous times in the, in the press and amongst working families in the city for how they've uh, handled this school year. And so whether or not they decide what the, which way they go on that, I do think has a lot to do with what parents they hear from of your kids that were there, how many parents they hear from and how, um, how public of a fight um, it can be and that you're willing to make it, which is important. I do hope any teacher listening to this doesn't get distracted by Andy <laughs> when meaning this is their fight too. And they, if they, whether they agree with Andy or AJ for that matter <laughs> or not, any teacher listening to this has a stake in this. This is our education. It's our public education. This is your time after hours. This is your, I, I know many teachers that get upset by administrators that say, that say they're being micromanaged. This is all the forms of micromanaging, any form of managing that you should be fighting against. And you should also be there to, to support your students and to know that if your students want this and you want this and you're meeting after hours and you're doing all the things that you're, you know, uh, everything right. You have, you have, you should fight for that. I mean, all teachers should be uniting behind that. But sometimes I fear people will get um, distracted by by um, their disagreements and specifically on the things that you've been outspoken about, Andy. And uh, this is something that we should be united around. Yeah. And on a personal level, it is stressful. Um, I do have fear about it. Um, I, you know, uh, me and Brandy are getting married in October and it would be kind of if something big came of this in terms of a punishment it, it could yeah. be it, it could be really un, un, upset that apple cart and so i i fear about that um i think there's no there's no way to deal with this by just trying to stay within yourself about it and just trying to stay safe by staying quiet i don't think that works and there is there is a larger issue that i do want to draw attention to and i do hope i do hope that it that that hr looks at it and been like you know and just kind of says, yes, we heard about it. We don't think it's the best idea, but you know, you contacted parents, blah, blah, blah. And they leave it alone. That's what I, that's what I hope happens. Uh, oh, and I also think that there is something else here, kind of obvious to me, at least that it's kind of exposing the, the fact that your work environment is not a democracy. 
dictatorship, <laughs> you know, and, and that's also what you're fighting against, you know, as teachers uh, in that environment, in this context, in this uh, punitive, punitive, potentially punitive action, you know, is that you don't really have self-determination in, in democracy, in, you know, so can't teach democracy while working in a, in a dictatorship. I don't have anything else to add. I think that's mostly it for me. I don't know, AJ, if you have any final thoughts. It was a great day. I would love it to was. Play. It was really good. <laughs> was so fun. And I definitely don't regret doing it. I would do it again. So let uh-huh. me be clear about that. And um, I let the parents I've talked to know that, and I let the students know I, I would do that again. Um, I won't do we won't meet with those students next week or anything like that um but <laughs> but um i would definitely do circuits in the park again uh all right um so that's it thank you aj again for joining us thank you oh and do you think next week um, this doesn't have to be on but that we might be doing having an interview with the, the some of the people you've been organizing with some of the um family members who are wanting to return to school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that would be really cool. I think the families uh, that um, I'm working with are a very, well, the very specific group of, of, of families that I'm, that I'm working with are very, um, very uh, different and radical in their own right, in their own way, because they're very, democratically collectively deciding things together and they've been really outspoken on this reopening school so I, I hope that people can look at that episode that will be enlightening also interesting from a different point of view from family's point of view because we've mostly been talking um mostly from teachers point of view name more on from andy so i think that um we'll have a different perspective what's left is the weekly political podcast as channel challenging the mainstream left We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where you found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnote.com. You can find past episodes to this podcast channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything that you've heard here, please write this down. (laughs) Uh, uh, Share your favorite episode, rate review. Um, Subscribe to any of these eight platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play. Bitshoot Library, LBRY Library, LBRY, and Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E, or YouTube for now. If you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca with Cocos, Andy Lipson, and Kenny Cepeda. And AJ, thank you. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Ciao.